Welcome back to a long-delayed episode of the NerdCast podcast. This is Jay, and I talked with my buddy Jeremy, who runs the PC Bombcast podcast. Uh, We talked a little bit of how he got into nerd culture, how he got into comic books, and then eventually how he got into podcasting. And then we looked at our top five non-superhero graphic novels or comic book stories. Uh, We talked for about an hour, fun conversation, uh, check out their podcast. It's PC Bombcast. You can look it up on any podcast uh, app. They also have a website, which I'll link in the show notes. Jeremy's an awesome dude, and it was a lot of fun. I've been on their podcast numerous times, so this was the first time he's been with us. And hopefully in the future we'll get him on on a group episode. For those wondering, we are hopefully getting together shortly after I record this to record a new episode. But anyway... Here's Jeremy. I've got the backup rolling. Okay. You need a mic stand so you don't have to hold it the whole time. I know. I've gotten used to it, though, over the years. You do have the kegerator behind you, which is nice. Yeah, unfortunately, I got a leak in a line someplace that I've got to fix. So. Oh, that sucks. Uh, you also have the least decorated wall. Well, it's just that wall. <laughs> the bar in the refrigerator where I'm actually at right now, so oh. I'm going to fix that up yet. Everything else is pretty much decorated, but this one wall behind me. <laughs> that, that works out for the green screen feature on Zoom, though, if you need, ever need it. Oh, yeah. I, I use that for work. <laughs> so how you been? Oh, man. Like I said, it's, uh, it's starting to catch up to me. Uh, I don't have high hopes for the May 4th or May 1st or whatever. I don't have high hopes for that. I, I think, realistically, even if we're released, I think we're looking at June and and I think our softball is going to start in July. Yeah, hopefully we can start getting out there and practicing. Yeah, I mean, I get why people aren't, but, well, this weekend was a wash because of the rain, and I got a feeling this is going to carry over most of this week as well. So, but, yeah, yeah I'd like to have both – I mean, not the my both my catchers aren't there, which is not I – mean, I mean, like I said, it's not a big deal, but I'd at least like to have one so we can work on something, but it's just not happening. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, let's start at the beginning. How did you get into nerd culture? Oh, well, how did I get into ner- nerd culture? That's uh, that's the most uh, open-ended question or, or, or large question in, I've ever been asked, I think. Uh, I think I just I was just on um, Conversations with Calcaterra, which is another friend that does podcasting that's been on my show a little bit, and I explained it this way to him. Um, I grew up in the country. Uh, outside, I grew up in a ta- po- town population 200 outside of a t- in between two towns that totaled in population of 6,000. So not big at all. A lot of farmland. Yeah. And I always loved like comic books and things. I had an aunt that worked at 7-Eleven and she would deliver me. Um, for people that don't know, newsstand edition comics are supposed to be covers torn off and returned to uh, whoever sells it to them, whatever kind of distribution sells it to newsstand, and they shred them. Um, yeah. My aunt would tear the covers off and give the comics to me. So every week, for, from as early as I can remember reading, 
she would just give me and and I uh, comics and I would have like if it was a six part story I would have three parts I'd have part one three five and six I would never have the whole story but that's the way I consumed comics and then once I got old enough to really appreciate which was pretty young not that I'm a, an, an advanced or like a very uh, not not the not that I'm was uh, wise for my age but I just dug pop culture I dug storytelling I dug uh, you know complex story arcs and things like that at an early age. So when I got into TV, which I grew up on a steady diet of things like Black Sheep Squadron and MASH, which were pretty heavy for like a four, five, six-year-old to be watching. But that's what oh, yeah. I watched from my parents. So so I think that probably accelerated the the mature nature, at least the complex story arcs that I, I liked when I was young. So we got cable in my small town, probably in that nine or ten-year-old range. And... Well, put a pin in that. I guess we should digress back to, you know, I have parents of a divorce. Dad wasn't a very, was never around. Um, and mom was a bartender. So from a very early age, my brother was six years older than me. So by the time he was 15, 16, he was just only interested in girls. So that left me home by myself. And and this is, this is not, a, this is not a shot at my parenting, but uh, my parents, but I was probably alone five, six nights out of the week. That's just the yeah. way it was. So when we got cable, and then regular Nintendo for Christmas, you know, playing video games. But when we got cable, uh, it coincided with this uh, very big storm that hit our town, small little area, southeast Missouri. And a tree fell right above where the cable came in to the TV for us. And it destroy, broke, destroyed the roof. Luckily, we did have insurance. One of the few things we did have. So they repaired the roof. And for whatever reason... When the cable company came out and reran the cable, we had every channel for free. Oh, wow. So I had all the movie channels. So that was Showtime, Movie Channel, uh, the Movie Channel, which I don't even think is around anymore. Um, but Showtime, Movie Channel, Cinemax, HBO. Um, and then there was like a, a channel that doesn't even exist. I don't even remember the name, but it just had movies all the time. And they would run them like six-hour blocks, so you'd see the same movie three, four times in a row. But what was really good when there was a movie that you liked, like for me growing up, I remember watching Popeye that way, Robin Williams Popeye, and I loved that movie. And so for the next – God, until, until our house unfortunately burned in a fire, that's the way it was for me. So even though I was by myself, and I did my fair share in the small town sneaking out, riding my bike, and generally terrorizing with the other kids my age, which were not many, but – they were close friends because we didn't have anything else. But yeah. I was watching uh, Joe Bob Briggs uh, drive-in theater or Up All Night with Rhonda or yeah. Super Dave Show. I was watching that stuff from 9, 10 years old on. And probably, I mean, I can't say this for sure, but I certainly, even though it was a small enough town where you knew anybody, I don't think anybody else was doing that in my town. So I was the only one, the only kid that was experiencing all this stuff. Um, oh. and, and then also we had very close friends of the family. They were kind of like family that owned the video store in one of the towns. So I would just go in and grab like my mom would always take me in on a Thursday or Friday when she knew she'd be working all weekend. And I'd grab like 10, 12 VHS. Now, they wouldn't give me the new releases. So I would just raid all the old back, the old VHSs, which, uh, you know, had those awesome painted covers. You know, the old movie posters on a VHS cover, which you don't get anymore. And usually it was the most B movie you could ever get, whether that was Ninja movies, whether that was, uh, and I use Ninja movies as the broad term because that's what we called them in the eighties or 
scary movies or sci-fi movies. I think that's when I watched Zardos from the first time, maybe at nine years old. I think I watched Zardos and Rocky Horror Picture Show in the same year at nine or ten years old, and that probably more than anything explains why I am the way I am today. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, just not not for a ten year old, not at all. Right. So, so do you cringe now thinking about those comic books without the covers? Yes and no. Um, but the thing is, those were newsstand editions, and right. that that's not not. I don't even know if that's done anymore. The way it was, direct versus newsstand. And for those that don't know, newsstand would get essentially what is a newspaper quality paper. And a lighter cover, and it would say newsstand just above the barcode. Uh, your direct edition, which would be what the comic book stores get, not always, but a significant amount of time, would have a, a better card stock on the cover and a little bit better print on the interiors. Um, again, sometimes, I mean, that, that varied between what company was doing it. But so newsstands. My, most of the time weren't worth the qual- the amount of they were printed on. I mean, the quality they were printed on. And I, I would love to see some justification on that because, in my opinion, nowadays, and if this is not the case, uh, and I don't, and I know that uh, for the longest time, Overstreet would have a t- section for newsstand and direct. I don't even know if they do it anymore. But the newsstands, to me, should be worth more money because they were destroyed. And comic shops never destroyed. They just put them in a bag, jack them up fifty cents, and put them in a bag as you've been. Right. I mean, I probably half my collection is like that because I used when Schnooks used to carry comic books. That's where I got a majority of mine at first. I bought the entire um, the four issue miniseries of Frank Miller and Ramita Jr. The um, Daredevil Man Without Fear with all the little embossed covers from a newsstand edition at a gas station down the road from my house in Lamar when I was in high school. And they all accidentally were direct editions because on that comic, the newsstand didn't have an embossed cover. The comic yeah. store did, but I was getting them the direct editions at my QT or Quick Trip or whatever Conoco. I think it was a Conoco gas station, and so that was like I was like felt like I was robbing the system somehow, cheating the system. Right, and I I think my kids would be shocked to learn that you could buy comic books at gas stations or the grocery store. I look from time to time at because I'm always on the lookout for the next or duplicate of wizard magazine and i'm not talking about the way it was in the later years when it was really really bad but how it was in the early years but i I always want to i just if i just find a magazine that's about comic books i think i'm gonna buy it so every time i go to barnes and noble i look and i look and see if they have any comics and they usually will have like three or four yeah and it's never consistent yeah Uh, it's so fast forward a few years you're in st louis you owned a comic shop I did, and, and you were my customer, and I uh, unfortunately you were one of the later customers, and I didn't remember because at that point I was working uh, about sixty hours at my comic shop and about another thirty hours a week at a, as a bartender. So that was a big blur. <laughs> yeah, and so actually, I learned about your comic shop through my buddy Toner, who's on the regular podcast. Oh, okay. I went to you on ninety four and had a pull and hold for a long time. Oh, in, in my original location. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. And then we moved up off of Mid-Rivers Mall next to Total Hockey, which I don't even think is Total Hockey anymore. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's like been bought out and it's like pro hockey or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, so I, yeah, so I, opened, I moved here essentially because what happened is I, I worked for V-Stock, which at the time was called 
Well, the original store was called Book Barn out of Joplin, Missouri, and then I worked for and I shopped there as, as a as a high school and a college kid. And then when I got out of college, I moved to Springfield and I worked for their sister store, Caveman Comics. And I got hired as just a normal employee and an assistant and promoted to the comic guy when the comic guy went and took over at Kansas City locations. And so I was the comic guy there, and then I was promoted to store manager and then moved to the Kansas City market. And I had a friend that owned a comic – or I'm sorry, a sports card store, and he was a police officer in Springfield, and he didn't really want to be a police officer anymore. And he said, maybe we should open our own shop. And I said, well, that's great, but Springfield is already locked down. Kansas City already had five locations at the time. He goes, well, what if we move to St. Louis? And I thought, well, shit, I've got nothing holding me back. So we came to St. Louis, and we slack, We got ahead of V-Stock, which is what we were wanting to do, because we knew they were coming. Um, but we still were behind Slackers. And no disrespect to Slackers, they are not a comic book store. They have no, comics, but they are not a comic book store. So what we wanted to be was a comic book store like V-Stock was in its infancy, and also have sports cards and video games and stuff. Kind of what V-Stock is now, but they've really morphed into a really big company. And right. I, and then that kind of, for all those people that were diehard fans of Book Barn, like myself growing up, it really turned some people the wrong way. And they've since sold and new owners and all that stuff too. But So that's why we moved up here, and I guess that would have been 07, to open a comic shop. And we survived for about two and a half years, uh, almost three, just a smidge under three years. And that the, when the economy tanked, we also had, like we talked about, we had the original location in 94, but we moved over to uh, Mid, Mid Rivers Mall in, uh, in 09. And all the money that we would have been saving to get through the lean years was spent in uh, closing down the other location, a little bit of litigation over getting out of our lease. And then oh, white boxing, then carpeting, painting, and everything. And and it, I mean, our our hot dog signs, what they called our sign, um, was a thirteen thousand dollars sign, and it cost eight thousand dollars to move the darn thing. So, oh, wow. so, and that we we shopped around to find the cheapest person. So yeah, there was essentially we blew through tens of thousands of dollars. I don't even really get into the real number, but it was sick money to relocate and when the economy crashed that was that would have survived that would have probably pulled us through three and a half years of rent moving and that three and a half years probably would have been the coming out of it if that if that makes sense no yeah unfortunately it did not happen yeah uh, so, but you stayed reading comics through the whole time, right? Yeah, well, well, and I would have not even stayed in the St. Louis area, but unfortunately, what propelled me to go get that bartending job I mentioned before was I met a girl, really liked her, which is always the bane of any man's existence, and uh, I ended up marrying her, and I was rooted in St. Louis. And yeah, I've always stayed. Now, I will be, uh, you know, I'm not embarrassed to admit, but I will say this. There was illegal comic reading for a long time through uh, torrent sites and things of that nature for the longest time. And now I don't even really do a monthly pull list anymore. I've, I've tried it a couple times since I closed my shop and it just, the hassle for me, of, there's not, if there was one five miles from my house, I'd be there every week. Yeah. And I know it sounds sad because it's a tw- literally 10 miles is probably the closest one that would have a pull list. But the I used apps like Hoopla and Comixology and uh, the Marvel app and things of that nature. And then 
because I do want to support the comic industry, I buy hardcovers. Hardcovers are my big deal. That's what I yeah. love. And after moving a million times to get where I am today, I can tell you this. Hardcovers take a quarter of the room of all single issues. <laughs> I mean, they just do. I totally know about that because I've moved my collection three or four times now, and I have like 26 long boxes. Yeah, and but unfortunately – in that quarter of the size, they weigh twice as much. So that sucks. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, you have an impressive collection there in the basement, and you've told me not even all of them are out. No, in fact, uh, we've got a room about to empty in my house. Um, that's a side story, uh, but uh, that's going to turn yeah. into the office. And even my statues that I've never – I haven't unveiled my statues. God, and um, I don't know. It's been – my daughter, my youngest daughter's nine. I bet it's been since she was one since I've had my statues unpacked. So my statues are ready to be unpacked and put out on a ledge on a shelf or something. I'm just waiting for that room. Uh, one of the reasons I'm sure you've saw on Facebook this week or Instagram, I built my Lego Voltron finally because I was like, hooray, I'm going to have a place to put it finally. Yes. And every time you put a new picture out of it, I was showing Will. He was so jealous of you. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Uh, it's spo- for I'm not going to get any names, but we do, in theory, have an inside connection on the Lego world because yes. uh, we know a Lego rep. Unfortunately, uh, she's a victim of the dreaded F word right now, furlough. So we can't use her for that. But when she is working, she's a great resource for uh, half-price Lego sets. Good to know. Yeah, because we've got Lego sets coming in this house five or six times a year the the worst thing about well not the worst thing but the the only caveat to that is lego is even more strict than nike because i've had a family member root from work for nike yeah and anytime we'd get a friends and family discount and anytime we would go outside the size that we were accustomed to ordering nike would let him give him a note in his paycheck saying hey you your family member typically orders a size 14 shoe but he orders size 11 so that looks suspicious uh, Lego's even more strict. Like if she buys more than like, she can sometimes get away with three sets, but if she buys yeah. more than two, she usually gets flagged. Oh wow! Yeah, that's crazy. Well, it's it, it is. When I said fifty percent off, it's fifty percent off. The markup on those things are amazing. Well, yeah, I've seen prices for a lot of the bigger ships my son wants. So. Yeah, I was told after I finished the Voltron uh, by the husband of said Lego rep, said, oh, now that you're looking for something else, you ought to get the 1989 Batmobile, which is amazing. From the yeah. and, and I looked, I was like, yeah, I might get this. And then it was, it's new with a price tag of 250 I was like, yeah, that's not happening. I can't justify that. 90 for Voltron, done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, like the Star Wars stuff, like a Millennium Falcon's like two hundred dollars. Yeah, and they're those things hold their value well. Yeah. So yes, destroy and then put in with all the other Legos and. Yeah. Well, I told. I just told my wife tonight, actually, I said, if you want to get me a great Father's Day gift, just buy me a metric shit ton of loose Legos, and I'll figure out something with them. Oh yeah, yeah. He plays with all my old Legos. There's thousands of blocks. Oh wow. he pulls out one of the old books and he's like, "Let's build this spaceship." I'm like, "That's going to take us two years." <laughs> yeah, to, to sort through to find the right, you know, the flat white three or the, you know, that's a pain in the butt. All right, since I didn't ask you at the beginning, what are you drinking right now? Uh, you know, this is uh, I'm highfalutin, so this is wine. Um, we I cooked a nice steak dinner tonight, and we opened a bottle of uh, I don't know what vineyard 
makes it, but it's called Chronic, and it was a, I think it was a a um, a some kind of Central American red blend. This though is even fancier. This is a boxed wine because what we do is we buy, drink the expensive wine first, and then we f- switch over to the box wine for the rest of the night. Oh yeah, That's and I drink a ton of beer this weekend, so wine seemed to be on the menu with steak tonight instead of my beer. Yeah, I was gonna go to Untapped and see how many unique beers I've tried in the last month. Oh boy, it'd be scary. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I think I'm almost. I'm getting. I, I think I'm within stone's throw of two thousand uniques. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm closing in on fifteen hundred. I drink. That's one thing I do. <laughs> you yeah. do too, though. You do as well. Uh, the only advantage I get is my company sends me a lot of, well, pre-COVID-19, my company sends me a lot of places, and, and I would get to taste the local fare there. But I, I'm going to be real interested to see how many trips we take in 2021, knowing how well Zoom meetings work for the company. Right. I, I think everything in, in business is going to change. Yeah. I'm not happy about that. Nah. I go back and forth. Yeah, one of the perks of my job was the fact that I've been to Nashville five times and Minneapolis and Indianapolis and Scottsdale, Arizona, and I don't want that to go away. Yeah. All right, so the reason I asked you on was to talk about non-superhero stories. Yeah. Well, actually, you told me two things. You said non-superhero, and did you say podcasting or just pop culture in general? Which one was it? Uh, Oh, yes, podcasting. So, yeah, let's go into your podcast. Well, Uh, so how did you start? Well, so we'll, we'll just – for those that don't know, for your listeners that don't know, it's the Pop Culture bod- Bombcast, or as I should have named it to begin with because it's what I call it the most time, PC Bombcast. That's how you can search for it or go to PCBombcast.com. Uh, we – I've all – I, I, you know, I've got the typical answer that I listened to Chris Hardwick when he was uh, – uh, what was his original company before it was Idiot – yeah, 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 and before it was ID ten T. Yeah, so and yeah. and and of course, like uh, other guys like Mark Marin and Joe Rogan, who I still listen to, but there was also a guy who was a, a quote unquote drinking ambassador for the world, Zane Lamprey, who's had his own podcast variation over the years, and but he used to have this show called Drinking Made Easy, which is where I got into him, and three sheets before that, and my wife and I used to watch that on HDNet, which is now Access TV. And when he had his podcast, they would just he had a bar instead of a studio, much like I have, and they would just get drink and talk about random stuff. And I yeah. thought, wow, between all these guys, I want to do that. Um, and I had some ideas of some friends I'd want to do it with. And and this is not a shot at Bender, but the the guys I wanted to do it with, they would never we were never going to be in together at the same place. But Bender was a was a neighbor of mine who. We lived out. We we both kind of moved out here around the same time in the St. Peter's area, and he got back into comics, got back into because of me because I was his neighbor, and he loved pop culture stuff too. He, he was we always made fun of him because he was a closet geek. His his friends did not talk that language with him. His yeah. his close and lifelong friends. I was his only outlet for that, and I thought, well, well, shit. Uh, you know, I need someone like that to talk to other than, and and you could do it with your friends over the phone and stuff. And you and I had not even, I mean, this was two years before I met you, I think, or at least a year and a half. And so I needed that outlet too. So I just, one day I told my wife, I said, I'm going to start a podcast. And I said, I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. So for, I think it was an early birthday present by a week or so, she bought me the Behringer's podcasting kit. Yeah. 
And we had a PC. We had a we had a personal computer at home, not even a laptop. So I would take the PC and I would run a plastic folding table up under the desk and we'd set up the equipment and plug it in. And we were literally recording from the same mic. I I create I went and got a uh, the the domain and the original name of our com our, our podcast was the Rapcast, which stood at, at for Random Ass Podcast. And I went and set all that up like a month before. And then I called him or I was at his birthday party for his kids and I said, Hey, I'm going to start the podcast next week. You coming over? And he's like, oh, that's, I thought you were just blowing smoke. And I'm like, no, we're doing it. So he came over. We recorded. And like every great podcast, uh, it was an awesome episode. And I totally messed up saving it. And we lost it. I still have it to this day. It's one hour long. And it's, re- it's in 10-second second intervals because I recorded it in stereo. But it's out of order. So yeah. I would have to go back and try to piece it. And I, trust me, I spent a week trying to piece it together. And my, my, I think my eyes were bleeding from staring at the screen so long. So it's like, we're going to try it again. And originally we were bi-weekly. We, mer- we changed that to weekly because we just really started having fun with it. We started interviewing people, friends first. And that's how our third host, the Silver Badger, Tommy, came on board. Tommy started going with me on some of these on-location uh, interviews that we did with people. And then when they... We slowly brought my wife, who we affectionately called the first lady of podcasting or the flop. Uh, we brought her in. So now it's the four of us. And it we, we've since changed the name to the Pop Culture Bombcast. And this way I can always have at least one of the four. The odds of me not having all three of the co-hosts on with me are, are very bad. But that's happened. I've released a handful of episodes by myself. So we went from bi-weekly to weekly. And during this whole COVID thing... I've released in four weeks. I've released twelve episodes. I, I took a break this week, and I told you I made a deal with my family to take a break, and it also yeah. kept my sanity because I didn't want to get burned out too much. I mean, three, four. I don't know how. Uh, you know, another friend of mine and another podcast, St. Louis podcaster Shane Presley, uh, Rock Paper Podcast. I don't know how he does the three to four week. I, I don't know how he does it. I couldn't do that, especially going locations like he does all the time. Yeah, no kids is one way, and being a yeah. night owl and his wife's a day day worker, that's the other, or, yeah. or vice versa. I don't know how it works, uh, but I think his wife works nights, and that's why they he was able to do it. But uh, great guy, just I didn't want to, even during this, I didn't want to do too much. And, and I've started doing some other things, like I, I started drawing again a little more, and but I just wanted to be creative through this whole time. So we're going to keep releasing a lot of episodes. In fact, I guess I should have led with this during uh, COVID-19. I'm calling them the pandemic sessions. I say until three-fourths of the podcast can be in the same room together, we're not going to go back to resuming to episode 209 or whatever it is we're on. I just keep labeling them, labeling them pandemic sessions. And, you know, so I just I don't think it's I don't necessarily like this format that you and I are using now because I like seeing you and you've always been great and come over and we drink beer together. And it, it's oh, yeah. a little it's fun. So until that happens, we're just going to keep doing these Zoom. And they've come on via Zoom and things like that. But, yeah, I, I mean, we'll do what we do to get by. But I'm looking forward to the day where we can do something better, better right. you know. So does it drive you nuts when you're sitting there and just randomly start getting tweets from me because I'm listening? And No, 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 no. No, some of them. Uh, no, no, no. It never drives me nuts because it means you're listening and you're you're retaining. You're not just it's not on the background because you're retaining what we're talking about. And you'll you'll send a tweet and it'll be something that 
like five minutes after that we'll, we'll have gotten something wrong and you'll weigh in. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But five minutes later, we figured it out. But you don't, you know, yeah. you move past. But that's typical. I'll, I'll say I still listen to Joe Rogan this to this day, and I'll yell at when I'm mowing or running, and I'll yell at my phone. You've got the movie wrong. You've, you know. Which is very hard. I mean, instant recall when you're in the middle of a of a thought or conversation. Even though you've, you know, you've know we we've done trivia together and we've kicked butt yeah. in trivia together. When I'm not sh- ungodly shit faced like the last time we did it. Yeah, uh, that was pretty bad for both of us. Dressed as fat Thor, just a train wreck, just a train wreck. But uh, that the, the worst performance I've ever had in trivia. I've won ninety percent of the trivia's I've done. That was bad. I think we yeah. finished third. Uh, yeah. But uh, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard in conversation sometimes. Your brain is usually processing so quick. And if you're a good host, and I'm not saying I am, but if you're a good host, you're really listening to what everyone else is saying and trying to process that info for your next point instead of just thinking of your next point. So sometimes when you do throw something out as a as a rebuttal or as a, a quirky comment, you get it wrong. Uh, yeah. And you... I will say this. You are the most tactful and best at bringing it up. I have some friends, like my friend, one of my best friends. He was my best friend, best man at my wedding. His name's Carter, and on Facebook, uh, he all he does is troll, and all he does is snide comments. And I, I to the point to where I, I get snippy with him, and he's like, why are you so mad? I go, well, for one, all you do is criticize, and you never, you never click like. Or heart on any post. So until you start that, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, I, I like when you. I like seeing it when you talk about it. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so do you have any new episodes coming out soon? Uh, we. I took. I, like I said, I had this self-imposed exile that is going on five days. Mm-hmm. But uh, Wednesday night will be. Uh, well, I should also say my wife and my oldest daughter have put down a law that Tuesdays and Thursdays. After five o'clock is no technology night unless the entire family's on board, i.e. unless we're watching a movie together or we're playing a game together. Uh, so that's going to be board game game night. So Tuesdays and Thursdays are now officially out. So Wednesday, though, is the challenge, and we missed last week, but we will come back this week for our recap episode because I do the spinoff episodes. Sometimes they're about comics. Sometimes they're about the challenge, and that's usually the only two spinoffs I have. But uh, yeah, so we'll I'll have one Thursday morning, and then I anticipate probably two from Friday to Sunday, getting two more done. Um, yeah. I, I watched the Beastie Boys documentary Friday, and I cried like a baby for the last ten minutes of it. So I'm due to talk about that. Um, I also watched Knives Out over the weekend, which uh, may be my favorite movie of the year so far. So yeah. I'm going to talk about that. So I've got plenty of, and that's the other thing that's good too. When you're putting out three or four one-hour-and-a-half episodes every week, you kind of start running out stuff to talk about. So it was good for me to take a break for five, six days, seven days, and stockpile all that that stuff. And I've even read some comics that Bender would recommend, uh, like um, Old Guard, which is on Hoopla, which is amazing. You should check it out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so it's time. And I'm also, with our new website that we've got, I'm going to start public. You know, uh, I talked about uh, karate movies, ninja movies, a while ago, and I like to put that stuff on my Facebook page. I'm yeah. going to stop doing that on my personal page, and I'm going to move that over to a blog that's going to be linked to Facebook through the podcast page. So I'm going to start um, doing that this week, and uh, I guess I, uh, uh, break, break as breaking news as we get. 
I'm going to start. The first one I'm going to do is I'm going to rank the badassery of the characters that appear in the movie Snatch because it's full of badasses. So I'm going to rank them from from least least menacing to most menacing. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. So that that's what we've got in the future. But you did bring up comic books earlier, and you told me to get prepared, and you threw a topic to me that probably was as hard as any for me to narrow down. So I've been working on my list of top 50 non-superhero graphic novels, and I've been working on it for almost a year. I could have done top 50 quicker than I did top five. Yeah, well, I, I'm still putting it together for the website, but I've got, I've got them here. I'm just writing them all out now. So. Yeah, yeah. So and and I, so what you told me to do, and and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to uh, take the lead from you here, but you told me to come up with a top five non superhero comic books for us to talk about, and so this so often happens on my podcast too. Uh, we don't put the ground rules down until the episode air or is being recorded. So yeah. my one of my favorite comic series of all time is Preacher. Now Preacher yeah. is technically not a superhero comic. But I would argue that whether you get your powers through God or science, the fact that he had the voice is a superpower. And yes. you have a vampire buddy, that's a superpower. Um, yeah. The Saint of Killers has the most impressive superpower. So I kind of eliminated Preacher, even though it's one of my favorites. Um, okay. But that said, I, and I even violate my own rule because there is one person on here that may have a bit of mysticism or superness to it, but... I still, uh, and like I said, this was a hard list. Yeah, it, it really is. I've been laboring over it, and as I read more stuff, it's like, well, where do I rank this one compared to everything I have? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll start with your number five. All right, we're going to start with my number five, and my number five is a clear violation of everything I just told you. It is a J. J. Michael Straczynski from Joe's Comics. This was... Uh, one of his, it's actually might have been his, uh, one of his, I think it was his inaugural Joe's comic comic with Ben Templesmith, and that's 10 grand. Uh, 10 grand is, uh, if, for, if you don't know, it's about a character named Joe Fitzgerald who is, was a mafia enforcer and a hitman and was gunned down with his, the love of his life, a very beautiful woman that they were, they were murdered as a revenge. Uh, when he gets to, Purgatory, and he's about to be judged, and to whether he's going to heaven or hell, he's sent to hell while she's sent to heaven. But an angel intervenes and says, "Wait, as long as you do good, fight on the side of the angels, uh, we will allow you to keep living. And every time you, you we're going to keep you alive, but every, you will die, and we'll bring you back. And every time you die a righteous death, you will get five minutes." With your 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 the girl the love of your life, so he spends his life quote unquote life doing great. Now he can be killed, and he comes back. And as long as it was for virtuous righteous reasons, he gets five minutes with her. So I think by the time you read the comic, it's ten thousand deaths that he's experienced just so he could have these five minutes. And it's real hard because wanting to die is not virtuous. It's not noble. So he's got to be noble and. It's a 12-issue series, and it's and man, it, it's Temple Smith's art works perfect for it. Straczynski, for you got those that don't know, created Babylon 5, but he also did uh, Rising Stars, which was a very seminal store, uh, comic book, arguably one of the greatest of the 2000s. And uh, he also did um, 
uh, No Honor, which is a very good story that I liked. But uh, the guy that put stuck his toe, he wrote Spider Man for a while as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and uh, he too. What's that? It was a pretty controversial run. Yeah, he he took away the the or, the web shooters and created organic, right? And he created yeah. the spider totem and all that. Not my cup of tea, but at least it was impactful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was my number five. Great book. I recommend everybody get it. And you could probably go pick up both trades for a total of twenty bucks. Yeah, I read probably the first three or four issues, but I think it got cut for budget reasons. Yeah, it happens. I, I really liked it. I need to go back and reread it you may i don't know my next one i know you can get on hoopla you might be able to get 10 grand i'm not sure on hoopla let's uh, see i go to i go to v stock a lot and buy their used trades oh that's the I way to find, do it i can find good stuff for two three dollars do you go to half price books when we can yeah oh that's one of my favorite i pick up so many i got the entire casanova books all three the three hardcovers yeah. for a total of 10 bucks i think one day wow i know i, I don't go there enough i need to all right, so my number five was DMZ. Oh, that was a good one. It was a really good one. And I reread it probably about six months ago. And it just seemed more with the times now than it did the first time I read it. So basically the story is there's a civil war in the United States and the island... Um, New York is pretty much uh, no man land. Both sides are kind of surrounding it, yep. and the people on Staten Island are kind of stuck on their own. And you get Maddie Roth, who's in the middle of it all, kind of reporting and sending what's going on there to people, but he gets involved with both sides. Those uh, early covers is one of the reasons I bought that stuff. Those were great. Those were great books, great covers and stuff. I read the first 12 issues, and... I don't think it was cut for budget reasons. I think it was just cut for the fact that at the time my store was open and I was probably reading a hundred titles a month and it probably yeah. just got lost in the wash. I should go back and revisit that one too. I loved that book. I have about half the trades. V stock kind of stopped getting the used ones. So I haven't gone back to pick them up. How many, how many did it get to? I think it was 13, 13 trades. Yeah. So that's that's essentially seventy two issues almost, sixty any like yeah. sixty nine yeah, something like that's that's impressive. Seventy two to yeah. seventy eight issues. That's a hell of a run. That's more than uh preacher, uh more than planetary, my favorite series of all time. So that's that's impressive. Yeah. All right, your number four. Well my number four and uh you're gonna see a theme from here on out with the exception, there's going to be one blip on this list and that's my third, but you're going to see uh, uh, this name, these two names, one for the second time, one for the first time, but it's going to come back. That is fell. And I call it one of the great unfinished comics ever written. It's Warren Ellis again with Ben Temple Smith. Um, it's about a detective named Richard fell. He gets assigned to a dead end job in uh a really neglected rundown district of a fictional town called Snowtown. Um, in this town, he encounters really dark, sometimes demonic or voodoo laden people uh, that really lends itself to Ben Temple Smith. And for those that don't know, Ben Temple Smith got famous for drawing 30 Days of Night, which was a, a movie, but before that was an unbelievably well received comic book. 
Um, I, I've got three original issues. Oh man, those are good. Those are still worth good money too, and I, I have them as well. Um, and so the the entire comic is literally about the low rent underbelly of society. He just deals with nothing but drug pushers, uh, abusive parents, child murderers, uh, and it's framed around superstition and magic that doesn't exist. But um, he's brand. He gets super drunk one night and gets tattooed tattooed while he's out and it's a brand to protect him you know a girl that really is interested in i mean it's the god i i could be wrong five or six issues maybe all that came out and i believe the final issue was about a year and a half late and it's still not it still was never finished and he probably will never finish it but if you it is on all of the issues that were ever released are on hoopla and it is for the most part a self-contained story and it was uh what's what's unique about it is uh, Warren and Ben decided they were going to do a nine-panel story, uh, like a uh, like a Will Eisner type story. No fancy splash pages, nothing. So a nine-panel per page story, and they released it so they could put more into the comic and yeah. less pages. And it was like a I want to say a dollar, dollar seventy-five, maybe even when comics the average price was three bucks. That's all it cost, and it should have been a web series, is what it should have been, and it was. It's very, very good, very impactful, and I know that I could probably set another week and think about this list, and a lot of titles would come and grow, and a lot of things would take over the number one spot, but I could tell you this, in the top ten of non-superhero comics, it would never fall out of that. Those six yeah. issues are worth it. So I haven't read it, but I believe it's in my hoopla queue, because I saw Warren Ellis' book I hadn't read yet. So Yeah, and it's... Quietly, my favorite Warren Ellis book, and I say that with a grain of salt because it was never finished, and Warren has wrote so many good things. But even the possibility of where it could go is so great, and that's why I love it so much. Yeah. So my number four is also Warren Ellis book, Global Frequencies. I never, you know, of all the great sins in my life, Global Frequency, I read the first trade and never read past it. Not because I didn't like it, because I just did not keep buying the trades. Right. I was buying floppies at that time, so I have every issue of it. And I went back and reread it, and it still holds up. It's uh, The Global Frequency is a global organization that will step in and kind of handle different situations, whether it be terrorist or some kind of disaster. And every issue is a standalone story with a different artist. Oh, and how many issues was it total? Twelve. Oh, that's not bad. So I read the first half of it. I need to finish it. Yeah. That would be an easy one. See, that's that makes me happy. And so it seems like one issue is like a military story, and then the next one's like some kind of supernatural event, and then it just bounces all over the place. It's kind of and a little I, bit like 24, but if each hour was like a different story. And I mean this with the utmost respect to what I consider one of the five greatest writers of all time in comics. He's very masturbatory. So the fact that he wrote it to where he could tell a different story each time was just him saying, well, look what I can do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's one I recommend that like half the people I sit talk about it with have no clue existed. Well, I think and I'm, I hate to segue for you, but I feel like we should go ahead and get the Warren Ellis hat trick okay. and go to my number three. And uh, this would be a Warren Ellis comic with Derek Robinson. And for those that don't, those newer people may be more familiar with Derek Robinson from The Boys and uh, The Punisher uh, uh, Born, which uh, was uh, kind of an origin story for Punisher. 
but it is transmetropolitan. And it, even though it come in at three on this list, the, the, the top three on this list may be top 12 overall, my favorite series on, of all time. So I don't know where this one falls. Um, but Transmetropolitan, for those that don't know, is, is centered around a character named Spider Jerusalem who comes out of the wild from a self-exile to decide that he's going to take down the current president. Now, you have to understand that this is a future society, a future world, uh, which is more relevant today. And I think this book gets more relevant as every year that goes by. So if Hunter Thompson was still alive, it would be Hunter Thompson versus President Trump. Well, and that, yeah, and what I put was it is a comic book sci-fi version of Hunter S. Thompson. That's the that's the hook for the book, and I'm guessing that was probably the pitch. Um, so yeah, he's going to take down, and that's just how it starts. And the Smiler is the name of the president at the time, and that's kind of just how it starts. And then it goes, oh, and you should also know that his weapon of choice is a bowel disruptor, so he makes people violently shit themselves. So yeah. um, 60-ish issues, and I think I have the first three hardcovers, so I, I think that's first two or three hardcovers, so that takes uh, absolute edition, so that takes up about half of the series. Um, yeah. To this day, one of the best drawn, one of the best told story. There's not a wasted panel in this comic book, and it stands, in my opinion, as one of the handful of great series of all time. I had it at number seven on my list. Yeah, that, I, that makes sense. Every, every single issue of it. Yeah, I mean, it's that great. It's that great. Yeah. I have a, one of my best friends that when we first brought our cop podcast out called The Rap, he did a hip hop song for us. It's not only one of his favorite um, series, but he even has a tattoo that's based on it. Nice. So, jumping to my number three, I've got Saga. Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples. Oh boy, and I got to tell you what, there's a significant amount of the world that would probably put Saga number one. And. I had a hard time including stories with aliens, if that makes sense. And I, I yeah. don't mind it. I don't mind it. Um, and that's Brian K. Vaughn, for people that don't know, and it's essentially his love letter to Star Wars. Right. And it's I compared it a little bit to Romeo and Juliet. But yeah. There's no tragedy at the end yet. Yeah, and that thing's still going, right? Yeah, but they kind of like do an arc and then take some time off. Which is not the end of the world. I mean, the way the way comics work now, I, I'm fine with that. I'd rather see that than see event after event after event that Marvel and DC tend to do to us. So, right, and a lot of writers get burnt out and then never finish their story. So take your time, get it right. And Brian K. Vaughn is a great writer. He's wrote some. I mean, Ex Machina, which is a superhero story. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, but he's done a lot of great stuff, and this is his. This is what he's been waiting for, this story. And, boy, uh, you talk about – we talked about 30 Days of Night, and we could even talk about – and another one I left off but could have put on, uh, should have put on as now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know why I didn't think about it because I think uh, more horror stories, but Walking Dead. Um, yeah. There's a handful of comics in the last 15 years that just went insane in terms of popularity, thereby making the comic worth a lot of money. Saga, Walking Dead, and about, and to kick it all off was 30 Days a Night. Those books went from nothing to $1,000 in like six months. Right. All right. You're number two. Oh, my number two is uh, I consider it the definitive example 
a crime noir in comic book history. It is Sin City by Frank Miller. And you could roll all of them out. Um, oh, I, I put, I even made a joke to myself. I put written Frank Miller and art by Frank Miller. So I had him down twice on it. But, uh, and in my opinion, it's the best example of adult gritty noir that has ever been put in comics. As it also happens to be two things. One, it's inspired a movie that was amazing and that was almost a panel for panel remake of the comic. And the sequel was bad. Uh, but it also gave us probably one of the toughest, meanest badasses in the history of comics in Marv. And I love it. It's not for weak stomached people and it's not for people that it's not for people that have a problem with things like rape and, and even incest in certain areas and, and bastardizing of the church and, and a lot of, a lot of themes that are tough to take. It includes them. Right. Yeah, that's a very good book. I have it somewhere on my list. Um, I don't know. I don't remember exactly where. Probably around 20. Because I went a lot of offbeat stuff that I've read recently. Yeah. So I'll probably go back another time or two and update it. But very good book. It's tough to do. What's your number two? Yeah. This might sound a little weird, but I picked the (laughs) IDW Transformer. This is going to get a little crazy. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever seen the movie, uh, the remake of Starsky and Hutch? Yes. This is going to get a little weird. I want two dragons. (laughs) Um, The... I got to tell you this. I read a so I can't remember how much of the original IDW launch I read, but I can tell I know I read all uh, the original run of All Hell Megatron, which was unbelievably good. Yes. Um, and so it gives you your basic story of the Civil War, and it comes to Earth, but then there's things like the Decepticons rule Earth for like a year or two. Yeah. In All Hell Megatron, but then they go into the reason for the Civil War, which kind of blew me away. And it was a race war. What you transformed into was what you were designated for your job. So a lot of the Decepticons were the lower class um, manual labor workers. And they didn't like the way the system was set up. So it made them a little sympathetic. But See, it made for an interesting take. Yeah, okay. So, one, I'm sure that would be interesting, and I could, I would give that a go, but I don't like that. And, and I'll tell you why. Uh, this movie last year deserved every bit of the praise. It was unbelievable. It is maybe one of the single greatest acting performance ever, in spite of the fact it's the second greatest Joker. And that's the movie Joker. Yeah. Um, the problem I had with that film is Joker, to me, works better just being evil. Megatron works better as just being evil. If you start making him sympathetic, then it's hard to love how great Optimus is. And Optimus, to me, is... He's up there with Captain America and Superman. He is as noble as it gets. Yes. And uh, I I totally get that. Um, But it still showed the bad things he did, even though he thought he was doing the right thing. And, and I know that's been kind of played out in comics a little bit, but the way they did it, I thought was pretty well. well I didn't like he turned into an Autobot later on in the series. Who did? Megatron. Megatron? Yeah. Well, the only thing I'll say is uh, it would be cool if they just united as allies at some point because, I mean, rest of, I mean, you know, people, 
Megatron is the second most badass Transformer there is. Him and Optimus yeah. are neck. Well, let me rephrase it. Him, Optimus, and Grimlock are the three toughest Transformers of all time. They're yeah. they're bad. So to see him fight alongside him, that's a formidable team. I mean, that's worth you know that's worth checking out. Um, also, I still, by the way, geek out over when famous artists or even some fan art draw transformers as their like their pinups their cool transformer art is some of the best art you'll ever see so did you watch bumblebee yes recently like and by recently i mean like last weekend and it was infinitely better than i expected but it the problem i had with it it creates a tremendous amount of plot holes in all the other movies yes it does but how how much did you geek out when you saw the original forms on Cybertron? The You know what? And geeking out should have been my response, but what my response was is flat anger on the fact that they did not make Optimus look like that in the original movies. And yeah. there was not enough color because that Optimus Prime moving around in in the in the uh in that movie in Bumblebee, I told my daughter, my oldest daughter, who, by the way, could give two shits about anything pop culture related i'm getting her to watch old movies and stuff and it's kind of a small victory for me but she's like i don't care about transformers and i said yeah but if you did you would know how great it is seeing that optimus prime on the screen yeah yeah um my son's seen most of the original cartoons as bad as they are he loves them so seeing that like me and him are just geeking out and he kind of forgot about the other movies. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also, it wasn't too long ago, it was probably in the last couple of months that I watched the last Transformers that was made uh, yeah. and released, the Mark Walt, the last Mark Wahlberg one. Um, yeah. That, that's, uh, and I'm a big fan. I'm a Wahlberg fan. The, the family and I have, have frequented Wahlburgers whenever we can in cities that were there. We love it. We watched the show. We, we, we're all in on the Wahlbergs. He deserves to be beat for those movies. Oh yeah, I mean, pretty much outside of the first one, they none of them should have been made. Oh yeah, yeah, and the first one was a good movie. That that still was a good movie. Um, I can I can I get on a tangent real quick talking about transformer transformer art, uh, which was a, a massive part of my childhood. I feel like we should be in two pop culture guys like ourselves. I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up this past week, and I'm going to butcher his name because I don't know how to pronounce it. But Hector uh, Gerardo G A R R I D O, the original. Uh, card artist for G.I. Joe passed away. Um, yeah. Again, another amazing artist that I love that really like framed my childhood. So I just wanted to bring that up because we talked about Transformer art. And to me, as eight-year-old, nine-year-old Jeremy, Transformer art and G.I. Joe art was really all the art that there was. You know, uh, I, I had those before I had comic books. Yeah, that was exactly. And Larry Hama was, even before you knew he wrote comic books, you knew it was writing the back of G.I. Joe card profiles. Uh, yeah. Is it my number one? Is that where we're at? You're number one. All right. My number one is another crime noir, um, this time by Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Rizzo. And all I'm going to do is give you the hook. Um, I, I know it. Uh, 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 well, I'll give your, our listeners the hook. An old man appra- uh, approaches you with an attache case. Inside the case is a gun, 100 bullets, and a dossier or a file on someone that's wronged you in their life. And all you need to know is that those 100 bullets give you carte blanche. They're untraceable, and it's even more than untraceable. 
they if they get ran, it'll come up, leave them alone. So if the cops, that's the hook. That's where the series starts. Now, it breaks off from there, and it goes to being about the return of the Minutemen. And the Minutemen are essentially a collective group of John Wicks, the baddest of the bad, whose sole purpose is to not to not do anything but enforce a balance between members of the trust, which is the five families that created the United States, secretly created the United States, and secretly run the United States. And they're not good people. Um, but the, if one house rises up and gets out of line, the, the Minutemen regulate them. The whole 100 issues is about that. Um, and it culminates in one great scene. I'm not going to spoil any of it, um, but it it's very controversial among my friends because I think of the of my very close friends that I've known for a long time that read comics, none of them like it. And I think it's and I think most of the reason they don't like it is Azarello and, and Rizzo did a Batman run in the middle of this when they got super popular and people hated that Batman run, and so they hated this run. Yeah. But it stands to me as a crime that it's not been made into a TV series yet, and it's one of the best 100 issues of crime novel, uh, comics you'll ever read. It would be a perfect fit for HBO. Yeah, or Netflix, or Prime, or someone. Yeah. HBO, to me, would be the... Because it really fits the atmosphere that HBO does well. Right. Yeah, it, it would fit in with that true detective type feel. Yeah. And like I meant, I, when I say the Minutemen are John Wicks, the Minutemen are the baddest dudes alive. Yeah. That we know of. And then I've so much as I've got a, a, a recently in the last few weeks, I reread the whole thing again uh, about two months ago. In the last mm-hmm. few weeks, I did a, uh, a two page splash page idea for uh, a picture of the Minutemen. And I'm going to I'm going to start drawing that here in the next few days because I love them. I love them. Oh, nice. Yeah. The only the only crime for me is I never read the spinoff about Lono, and I can't find it anywhere. Really? Huh. Well, and I haven't I haven't tried to order it online, and I could, but yeah, there to me there's some victory that is gives you this sense of accomplishment when you find a copy in your local comic store or in your library or something like that or in you know, half price books or something. And I haven't yet, but I'll find it and read it. And it was, it reunited Rizzo and Azarello. So I've got to, I've got to read it. Yeah. All right. So my number one, I got to this very late, uh, last year, but I knocked it down in about three weeks. Sandman. See, that was another one of those ones that for me, that if I were putting down the list of top 10, 15 comics of all time, Sandman would make it. And I, get what you're saying but sandman has since been adopted into dc proper so therefore to me he's a superhero but i don't blame you for it that's not me pooping but that's i just want to qualify for those listening that's the only reason that's not on my list so i don't really read the dc proper anymore yeah i might i might get their app so i can start doing it again but i mean you had martian manhunter and animal man in the first issue and then Nothing else with the DCU other than John Constantine occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Which also was only in recently, and by recently we mean the last few years, adopted into DC proper as well. Right. So so the story follows Dream, one of the seven enlists, who, and it's just about 
just stories about him throughout time, and they're just incredible. Neil Gaiman does he can tell a story like nobody else. Yeah, and he stands as one of the top three comic book writers of all time. Yes, and and for me, who reads his books, he's one of the top five to ten writers of all time because I love yeah. him that much. Uh, American Gods is one of my favorite books ever. I see. I love American Gods. Uh, I loved my favorite Neil Gaiman book. Well, my favorite, my all-time favorite is uh, co-written with Terry Pratchett, Good Omens. I think it's – and they made a show on it on Amazon Prime. The show was very good, but the book – it's the first time in college when I read that I laughed out loud at a book. Like my roommates are like, what are you laughing at? I go, a book of all things. Uh, but uh, Neverwhere was my first Neil Gaiman only book. And I have the original first edition hardcover, and I love it. And I keep waiting to meet Neil Gaiman so I can get him to sign it. Um, But uh, he's – yeah. And and for those that don't know Neil Gaiman and you just want to fall in love with him or you just want to say, well, what are these two talking about? Buy one of his audio books because he reads them, and you will fall in love with his voice. (laughs) So – I got to try that. I I don't do audio books very much. He reads all of his own, and that's – Maybe my favorite audiobooks are his. Yeah. So, do and, you have any? New, and, I'm sure you have tons of them, but near misses. Well, well, I want to say this for also real quick before we jump off of that because it is the number one overall that you said. Uh, the endless are the most powerful and badass characters combined together. They are, you know, they do. They are dreaming. They're death. They're they're everything that propels the universe and and creation and uh, and. And Sandman is he's the he's the main one. I mean, he's the baddest at I mean and, and if you haven't if you I think the be, the first story arc, I think it's in the first uh, hardcover, the first twelve issues. I I could be wrong because I, I it's been a long time since I read them. But if you want to know how great he is and how great Gaiman is, is he he's got a cloak or is it is a cloak or, sh- or his uh, robe or whatever which allows him to enter everyone's dreams. Yeah. Um. The devil, Satan, stole it, and he has to go to hell to get it back. And when he gets there, the devil essentially says, you can't take this from me, so there's no reason for me to give it to you. And he says, yes, there is. And the whole whole journey culminates with him saying, because without dreams, uh, I can't, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm doing it very bad, and he says, um, "What is it?" He says, "He goes without dreams. What point of having a heaven, or what point is there in having a hell if it's in, if its uh, occupants can't dream of heaven?" Yeah, um, and that set up Lucifer as people watching TV know him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just that's great, right? And, and I butchered it, but you get the you get kind of the gist, and that's unbelievable writing. Yeah. I, and just the depth of the story he could put out in like two or three issues would just blow you away. Oh, yeah. A lot of writing, a lot of exposition. So you have to be ready for that because it's not, again, it's not superhero. Yeah. But near misses for me, I should have brought up The Walking Dead. I should have mentioned that. Um, gosh, um, you know, for me, even Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is not really a superhero book. It was an allegory for uh, uh, for. Uh, uh, Daredevil, but yeah, I mean, Frank Miller's run on Daredevil, but it's not really. Um, and I got to tell you, of all the travesties of books I didn't mention, and I'm just seeing it right now, uh, Dave Lanfum's uh, Strange Bullets. Strange Bullets is probably, 
In fact, it, it is one of my top 20 books of all time I've ever read, and I did not put it on the list, and it should have been. See, I haven't read that yet. It's on my list of things to get to. Well, if you want to read it, just know that I have the first six hardcovers or something, so you can take those and read those, and because okay. it's fantastic. I even have uh, Murder Me Dead, which was his unofficial prequel to, yeah. to Strange Bullets because it, it didn't tie in at all, but none of their stories do as well. And I think I have the Amy Racecar miniseries somewhere, which is awesome. So, yeah, I had uh, I Kill Giants. Oh, great book. Great book. Yeah. 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 I I read it and fell in love with it, and I gave it to my oldest daughter, and she read it. And as soon as she heard there was a movie, she's like, we have to see it. I haven't watched the movie still. I've watched three quarters of the movie, but it freaked the two younger kids out. Which it should. I mean, it's yeah. a heavy story. It's a heavy yeah. story. So uh, She found it on Hulu and finished it herself. So Good I'm art, too. Really unique art. Yes. And it's just a story that punches you in the gut when you realize what's going on. Six Gun is another near miss. Again, that borders, it's more mystical and stuff, but uh, it's uh, Cullen Bunn, uh, pretty localized uh, writer out of Missouri, out of, uh, he lives down in Joplin area. Um, I think he still lives down there. I could be wrong, but uh, a great guy. I know him personally. That's That's a really good story. It was adapted for TV and then, something happened between how that usually happens. It was made. It was the first few episodes were made for AMC and then something happened and they had to pull the plug on it, like a studio change or something. Um, Gosh, darn. What, uh, for that matter, fear agent is another great one that I love. Uh, Rick Remender. I read the first trade of that. It's down lower on my list. I one I've never gone back to, but the first, the first trade got me. I have the first two like uh, definitive hardcovers or absolute hardcovers. And I love them. I love them. Yeah. So I had Why the Last Man. Oh, see, that's one. I don't know why that's not on my list, but after I wrote the list, I was like, well, I'm, I've already typed it out and printed it, so I'm not going back. But yeah. uh, why is – so why is one of two books that came out around the same time, and they were consistently my favorite books every month, and that the other one was Fable, which I could have put – or Fables I could have put on this list. I've had 11. Yeah, and and the only reason I didn't do Fables again, uh, you know, the Big Bad Wolf, he's got superpowers. So that's why I left it off there. But um, both of those books, week in and week out, especially, and why had a great ending. I think it was 61, 62 issues, something like that. Uh, 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 great, just, it's been, quote unquote, opted to be a series for a long time on TV. FX had it for a while, and then I don't. I think they passed on it. Yeah, it keeps getting flubbed, is what happens. But again, it, that one would be an unbelievable television show. Yeah, and so one other one I had, I just picked it off Facebook Marketplace for ten bucks. The complete Moss. Which one? Moss. The oh. about the um, the Holocaust. Oh yeah! Oh oh yeah 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 oh oh, oh yeah yeah M A U S. Yes. Yeah, and I think you're saying it right. I was just thinking moss like on a rock. This is what I thought yeah. when you said I was like, am I missing it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't own that, and I've read it, and I I mean, I guess I guess the only thing to be said about that is it's probably the most uh, literary decorated comic of all time, and Sandman would probably be the second most. Yeah. So, so I, I know my college taught a class on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now there's a lot of colleges teaching a lot of classes, but to put that in perspective, when that was taught, there were no others. 
Right. So yeah, I mean, this was 20 years ago when I saw it for the first time in someone's room. I'm like, do other people in here read comics besides yeah. me? But yeah, yeah. No, no, that was considered literature. <laughs> you know, yeah. It was so that that won an award, and then uh, Gaiman kept winning. He won two or three years in a row. He won. Uh, some prestigious sci-fi fantasy award, like literature award. So yeah. they actually changed the the rules. Moss won the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, and and Gaiman kept winning these literature awards without writing book, but writing comics. So they changed the rules to say comics don't count because he just kept cleaning up with Sandman all the time. So along those college lines, my niece, who's a freshman in college, had to read Watchmen. Yeah, as well they should. Watchmen is in my top five of all-time greatest comics ever written. The biggest travesty was she didn't say anything to me. I was like, I could have saved you $20 and explained the whole thing to you. <laughs> you in fact, I would have probably beat your teacher. <laughs> and her mom even said something. She's like, you should call your uncle. He's got it, probably. Yeah, so. I. Uh, so I. It was. it wasn't until college. I had already read Dark Knight Returns. In fact, Dark Knight Returns was... When I found that when I got into comic books and when I finally got into like 13 or 14 and I found out everyone in Wizard Magazine says, oh, Dark Knight Returns is the greatest comic ever written in Watchmen. And at the time I was like, I don't care about Watchmen. It doesn't sound good to me. I read yeah. Dark Knight Returns and I was like, well, th- that changed that too. I, I really in pop culture. Now we're talking about pop culture uh, really changed my life. One yeah. was Dark Knight Returns. The other was Pulp Fiction. And those two things really set the tone for what would be my taste going forward. Now, when I got in college, I'm like, well, shit, I'm now, you know, Preacher's now my favorite book and all this stuff. I'm like, well, I got to I gotta go back and read this Watchmen. So I asked the book barn, the local comic guy at the book barn to put together, because you could still relatively cheap, probably for like, you know, I could tell you exactly in, in, in 1998, you could get it for 60 bucks for the entire run yeah. uh, because I had him pull it and then I forgot to pick it up. And then when it got around Christmas, my college roommates, which was my best friend, Big D, and another one of my best friends who I kind of sadly fell out of touch with, Kevin Brown, KB, they went and bought it and that was their Christmas present to me. And so they gave it to me like a week before Christmas because I was leaving to go with me with my family. So I go and I get to my mom's house. I'm like, all right. I'm out here in I'm down here in Branson, Missouri, and I don't know anyone. I'll read the first issue, and this was probably nine ten at night on a Friday night. I opened the first issue, and it was probably midnight on Saturday or twelve a.m. Saturday morning. I had read all of them. Yeah. I was like, I'm stupid for not reading all of these books earlier in life. Yes, and, and that's how I felt. Like I can look back, and I paid twenty dollars for X Men two hundred one. First appearance of Cable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could I could have bought so much other better stuff. Oh yeah, but you know, uh, with the exception of uh, you know of the Rob Liefeld connection, Cable's still a pretty important character too. Oh yeah, but that's probably not worth twenty bucks now. Uh, my daughter uh, wanted to buy the on Fortnite has the X Force collection, and Cable's right. one of the ones on there right now. Nice. Yeah, so. I, I uh, yeah, I you know. There, there's it, what the great thing about comic books, and once a great one of the things we like to talk about, and my still the most popular episodes of my podcast are the that year in comics, uh, the most downloaded is uh, I can still to this day. 
when I tell you about Dark Knight Returns, which I, spoiler alert, I think maxi series or regular series, Planetary is my favorite series of all time. Yeah. Uh, but in my opinion, the single greatest comic book series or story ever told is Dark Knight Returns. And I'm not even the biggest Batman fan. Um, yeah. But how great Batman has been written over the years is this. Every time I sat down on Hoopla or every time I sat down to reread something or every time I sat down to look at something, I inadvertently always read a Batman story because he's yeah. been written very well. And Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, written and illustrated by Frank Miller, to my to me – uh, and they came out in the same year as Watchmen. Is the single? I can tell you I, if, if if we wouldn't if it wouldn't be so deep dive into geekery and and maybe if you and I were just sitting around drinking a beer together at a bar or a brewery or even at one of our basements, I would go into detail. But I can actually tell you probably the room I was in, the smells, the the look, and everything when I first read Dark Knight Returns number one. I mean, it yeah. takes me back that strong, and that book impacted me that much. Yeah. Yeah, I read that later on. Um, the one that sticks with me like that is uh, Kingdom Come. Okay, and and when I can tell you this as a guy that was a uh, not just into comics at the time, but I I was uh, I was uh, I mean I was into comics at that point, and I already I'd done multiple conventions. I'd been to San Diego and things like that. So comic books were, with the exception of trying to get women. Uh, mm-hmm. Comic books were the second most important thing in my life, and for the most part, they could have been the most important because I was better, more successful at that than getting the women. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Kingdom Come, when it came out, I can tell you this: all the hype and fanfare. When Wizard Magazine wrote the story, breaking news that it's coming out, was like, "Is this the book that replaces Dark Knight as the most important comic of all time?" Now, yeah. it didn't live up to it, but I'll tell you, it's a Damn good story, and very, very probably visually one of the greatest comics ever made. Oh yeah, and I have the Wizard magazine that they made specially for it that gives you all the Easter eggs, like they break. Down oh yeah, 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 with all the background images and all that stuff, and yeah, that's awesome. That's good stuff, there, man. Yeah. So I remember that was the first thing I read after nine eleven. My dad and I were driving to Chicago to pick up my brother to bring him back home for a few days, and just remembering reading that while everything was going on. It's cr- it was- it's crazy that that's wrapped around 9/11. I mean, yeah. just yeah, that I mean, you could have remembered the book without it, but how yeah. much more important is it now that that's what you were were doing? Yeah, that was one of my two big memories of that day, that whole time period. So All right. So we're we're over an hour, so um why don't you give everyone where they can find you? Well, the easiest way, and it's there's going to be more original content put out there, not just podcast-wise, but actually, like I mentioned a while ago, blog-wise and stuff, is to go to PCBombcast.com, and that's just like it sounds, P-C-B-O-M-B-C-A-S-T.com. Um, you can also find us on all of the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams under PC Bobcast. Um, I like to think we put funny stuff from time to time. Um, and then for me, it's Bohannon00 and all those other things. And then I have all my co-hosts. You can find them all through. They're all linked on our uh, all our stuff as well. So you'll find all of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of what you and I did, we used to really do this. Now we just kind of go off the cuff more. But Bender and I really dive into this kind of stuff. So if you're listening to this, 
you're going to find things in the other stuff. In fact, like I said, we're gonna, I'm about to break down Old Guard with Bender this coming weekend, which yeah. was a great book. Um, so, yeah, check it out. I mean, what could it hurt? Just download it and delete it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, you can look on the Nerdcast feed because I've shared a lot of your guys' stuff. So. You're awesome. You're awesome. And, and, and I've shared your stuff when it comes out. When it comes out, yeah. <laughs> I tried to get everyone on last night, but no one. I up, so. I do like to hear that you're talking about writing more blogs and stuff. One of the things about your your nerdcast that I liked was that you did more than just the podcast. Uh, you really, for those that don't know of my listeners, if they're cluing into this, you really dive into like cardinal stuff, which we have that in common because we're good St. Louisans um, and things like that. So so I like when you do that. And I, I look forward to your episodes when they come back out. You guys, you guys teased us. You came out with episodes pretty consistently for like two months. Yeah, yeah. And then it, and it, what you can't, you can't even blame Corona for it. Uh, no, we can't. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get everyone on. Um, I might have some other side stuff coming out too. So, well, I look forward to it. And I'll tell you this: uh, it, it, this, if one thing has also. Gave me the confidence, not confidence, but gave me the uh, the the the. I'll just I get we'll go with confidence that you can pull off these Zoom and these these Google Hangout episodes and stuff a little better than I expected. I've had a couple of good ones like with local comic creators Jim Oosley and Ben Sawyer with Butcher Queen. Uh, if you don't know what that is, check that out. But uh, I've had them on. I've had I've been on podcast. You're the second one I've zoomed in on in in, in as little as uh, a week. So. Uh, yeah, I expect I'll probably do this a little more frequently, which is good because it'll also allow me to do more episodes. Because when you're wanting people in studio, you're you're really hamstrung, you know. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And with let's see, Matt and I both have kids. Steve's getting married. Well, he was supposed to be getting married. It's been postponed for a year now. Um, <laughs> Not Corona's fault. And then. The other Matt has kids, so it, it's hard for us all to get together. But this might make it easier if we can do this on a regular basis until we can get live again. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you put out an episode, and I'm glad you got to do it with me. I'm glad you chose to do it with me because you've been on my my podcast three, four, four times now. Like that, yeah. Something like that, and 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 probably are going to. I mean, uh, keep a look in the inbox. It's probably going to happen again here in the next few weeks because again, I'm until we're released. To the wild, so to speak. Uh, this is going to keep being in constant. So maybe I'll come up with a cool, similar uh, list for you, and we'll we'll do this for mine. All right, that works. All right. Well, I'm sure I'll be texting with you throughout the week. Yep. Yep. And I look forward. For those that don't know, also, uh, mine and your relationship came from the fact that I coach your daughter in softball. I'm look forward to getting back to that norm uh, because it's long overdue. And I saw her walk down a while ago. And she already, it's been roughly two months since I've seen her, and she already looks a year older. So I can't wait to get her back out on the softball field. We're looking for new catcher equipment because she grew out of it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good problem. I mean, it sucks, but that's a great problem. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I'm glad you had me on. So, Yep, thanks. We'll do it again. All right, my man. Be sure to check out Jeremy and the PC Bombcast at all their social media where the website's hosted and everything. 
I will have the links for that in the show notes. Also check out our website at nerdcast.com. It's N-Y-R-D-C-A-S-T. We are on all major social media platforms. This week's music comes from a St. Louis band called Pretty Talk. We played some of their music before in the past. This is their most recent track, All Night. My little lovely lonely dancer Why you all alone? I heard you had another fight You won't pick up this phone I know you're still kind of upset But that was long ago I could be better if you want me Do you need me? No Sick of the bullshit I'm gonna lose and let all this pressure out What are the chances Caught in a panic for the time I'm bound Holding on to the sorrows of yesterday Stumbling, locking me out before I find a new 